Welcome to Tavern Talk. Good morning, good evening, good night, everybody. How are you doing? This is Matt from the Pathless Podcast, and I just wanted to um, have a little bit of a character introduction with my new orc. Uh, his name is Rothgar Crags. Uh, he's actually not an orc, he's a half-orc. Um, because Chogger died, unfortunately, I uh, got turned to dust. Poor bastard, didn't have a chance. Um... I needed to create a new character, unless like there was like some kind of wish because even his body was gone, so I don't even think a true resurrection would work, um, which is very unfortunate because I like Chagger a lot. He was a very fun character, and I liked having a witch, but um, I figured, you know, it's time for, I feel like I want to get more into melee, actually do damage and help the party. Um, so Rathgar is a bit of a balance between how Chogger used to help out by diminish, like demoralizing enemies um, and also being a heavy hitter. So, uh, pardon if anything sounds a little odd, um, just want to make sure everything's cool. I have a bunch of tabs open so I might like you know go back and forth and tell you guys what like my thought process was. Uh, so Rathgar is a half-orc who, um, all the half-orcs, they live, uh, in the southern continent, um, and, like, a northern forest where there's, like, orcs, and, um, there's, like, civilized goblinoids and everything like that there, uh, but the whole thing is that, um, my clan leader, uh, Galzu, he was breeding half-orcs in order to create, like, an army, like, you know, you want to, the human portion is a bit smarter than the orc portion, yeah, and the orc blood, so it's a good marriage between the two. Um, so I was raised, I was raised to believe, like you know, how to be a uh, a tough negotiator, a general, a leader. Um, and I'm out and about searching for like new blood for the fold, uh, and also you know looking for uh, to make a name, get money, um, all this fun stuff. So without getting too much into how like you know things are going to play out into the series. Um, that's just a little bit of the background, at least like where the half-orcs and where the orcs live in this world, um, which is a big deal because this is primarily an elven, um, like, dominated uh, campaign. Like, the elves own a lot of this land, um, so it's a big deal to know where the orcs come from, where the half-orcs come from, because they are very rare, and they are going to be treated like dirt in this society, because not only are they not elves... But they're only half human, and humans are treated pretty bad, as you all know from hearing Gordon Black. Um, so I am a uh, very, very tall, very dominating um, half-orc. Uh, I actually worship uh, Rovagug, the god of war, but it might not come into play in this um, campaign, because we usually don't have too many, like, god things, even though we have gone to, to Divine Realms, so we do know there are gods, uh, in this world. Um, I am lawful neutral, so, you know, I, uh, I make sure that the orc society, like, you do have to follow their laws, and I am following the laws. I'm trying to be a good leader, and you need to have, um, people believing in their leadership and their ranks, so I am very lawful. I do take orders well, and I also expect that my orders, when I give them, to be taken, you know, by every by everybody else. Uh, so without going into too much of like you know my character statistics and everything like that, even though that is super fun for everybody, um, this guy's supposed to be like he's supposed to deal a lot of damage, take a lot of damage. Um, but I really love 
the intimidation factor. Um, I actually, we used to, when, in one of our campaigns, we had one of my characters who, I had him name, he was uh, Albrecht, but we called him Ali G, because it turned into like a, it devolved to like a rap campaign. It was very fun. But I remember I gave him, uh, or I took one of the feats where he could, uh, it was called like Dazzling Display, and any any creature in 30 feet would be intimidated by me as a standard action. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Everyone gets shaken for the round. Like, they lose, uh, they lose, like, all these different, they lose, like, their AC. They lose, like, some attack and stuff like that. And I was like, let me see if I can do this without having to spend a full round to, like, demoralize everybody. And I was actually able to figure out that there's a, um, a orc trait, which a half-orc can take, called Bullying Blow. And um, for a standard action, I can make a melee attack with a minus two penalty on the attack roll. And if the attack damages the opponent, so if I hit, uh, I can make an intimidate check to demoralize him as a free action. So it pairs very nicely because um, with a fighter, I tend to like do heavy hitters. And I'll use power attack very often. I actually have cleave and great cleave on this character because I figure um, we, do, we do encounter a lot of like AoE people. Um, so I can use like the Great Cleave and the Cleave, and then also if we just go one on one, I can really power attack and heavy hit this guy and demoralize him in the same way that um, Chogger used to do that too. But without, but with Chogger, it was more of like I have a guaranteed minus two with this guy. He is going to have to make some rolls, uh, and I'm going to be rolling a lot of these and not have the DM do it. So it's gonna be it's gonna be more fun for me to play this character, especially in battles. Um, so, uh, so with him, his his intimidate is very big. So I had to, I kind of like created a character who he he was very intimidating, very uh, the prowess on the battlefield, and the prowess when he speaks to you is going to make you be like, whoa, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with this guy. Um, and one of the fun things I found out was uh, this, this feat called nerve wracking negotiator, and. When you succeed in an intimidate skill, um, usually people will say, oh, I'm going to call the cops on you. Like, you come in here, you threaten me, I'm going to report you to the authorities. Now, the nerve-wracked negotiator, it's going to be um, the DC is equal to 10 plus the ranks of intimidate, and the NPC will make a will save once the intimidation wears off. So, basically, I'm going to be able to say, like, yo, I need this information, do not talk, do not talk back to me. You give me what I need, and I'll be out of your hair. And they're going to be so scared, hopefully, that they're not going to call the cops on me. <laughs> because, like I said, this is a very elven-dominated land, and I need to be, while I am lawful, I am very, um, you know, you have to you have to be able to say, like, look, I'm an intimidating presence, and I need to get what I what I need to get. And when I ask you for something nicely, or when I threaten you, you're going to give it to me. And you're not going to call the cops, because I will come back here and I will kick your ass. Uh, so so I, I wanted this guy to be not like a crude person, but to be so intimidating that, you know, he, um, he was kind of like, you know, a, a presence who everybody will notice. And, he's go and he is bred to be a presence on the battlefield. So it, it's just like some kind of fun stuff like that. Um, additionally, uh, so I do have uh, one of my clan's major axes. It was given to me by Galzu, the head of my orc tribe. And he uses, uh, 
he's he has like the best axe, and mine is called the axe of Ergball. It's his it's the brother axe to that one, uh, so it's a little bit less powerful, but it's still very powerful. Um, I like to kind of like you know throw that kind of stuff in, in here because no one should just come in with like a, a seventh level character and be like, oh yeah, no, he this yeah everybody can walk around like a seventh level fighter like no there has to be like a person has to be training for a long time has to uh have a reason why they have any type of magic items or like have any type of uh you know like thought process in this um so that's kind of just like a little bit about my character without going into how i'm going to get introduced because heck even i don't know that um, and also, like I said, because he is going to be searching for people, I took a leadership feat. So we may have a NPC following along with us, but that person is my familiar, uh, for lack of better terms, because I can't think of one. Um, and we'll find out more about them uh, as the game progresses. Um, I'm looking forward to coming back in um, as a new character. Chaga was super fun to play. I was really hoping to get him to level 10. Um, because then I can start like freezing people and doing all this crazy stuff. But, you know, having a new character to play and like you kind of switch it up, um, it's nice. It's, it's really nice. And, you know, uh, it's a shame that Chogger went the way he did, but I was not expecting it. Um, afterwards I was like, I was like, man, you know, it, it wasn't the first character that died for whatever reason. My character seemed to die more often than anyone else's, but... I really feel like um, that's fine because, you know, he had his story, he went to, he was put to rest, and um, I'm going to miss Chogger, but uh, Rothgar is going to be so fun, and I'm still trying to figure out a voice for him, but you guys will hear it soon uh, in the upcoming Pumpkin Spice episodes. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to this Tavern Talk with Matt, while well, I kind of rambled on about my new character, and everybody have yourself a great day. And uh, I will see you soon. Bye. Hey there, guys. This is Reed. I play Corin Zillicent in Lightlessness. And in Pumpkin Spice, I started out playing Krellis Mixblood. I subbed him out for Hector Hexward. And for spoiler reasons that I will not go into, I am moving on to my third character, who is known as Glastiel. So I was pretty open to what character to play next. I didn't have anything in particular. I just knew that I wanted to round out the group a little bit better because obviously there was some overlap with Hector since at the time when I originally created Hector, uh, Talra had not been a frontline fighter so much. He had preferred to stay behind other people and attack things from range and he was very paranoid about getting hurt due to his character background. So... When Hector finally showed up, unfortunately, it turns out that Taura seems to have overcome much of his phobia over getting injured, and because they were both Reach weapon characters, there was some overlay there, So, which honestly I didn't think was that big of a problem, but at first it seemed to rub Ben the wrong way, so I decided this time I'd just go for something a little different, well a bit different, especially because I already knew by the time I was making my character that Matt was going to be playing a more melee-focused character because he didn't want to play another support character. So, obviously, I fell into the support area. From there, I started looking around, and Cleric comes up immediately, you know. A lot of groups have Clerics. They're kind of really useful. The, there was the Oracle as an alternative, which is more of the spontaneous caster version of the Cleric, the Sorcerer to the Wizard. I might have gone with that, but while going through a couple of alternate class features for the Cleric just to see what was out there, 
I came across what I believe was called the Tactician alternate class feature set. And from there I said, oh, wait a second, is there any actual class called, you know, Tactician or Strategist or whatever that would allow me to not be a cleric? Because honestly, I don't find clerics terribly appealing aesthetically. You can play a couple different clerics. You can play like a cloister cleric, you know, like a man of the cloth. You can play the war cleric. The group seems to be better geared towards a character with armor. That's just how most of our guys are kitted out. They're kitted out as, you know, very tough people, very tough personalities, don't really care too much. And that's why I was constantly having to balance that out as Corel Slash. I think I've mentioned this before where I would have preferred to play Corel Slash as a much more laissez-faire character and a lot more towards the chaotic end of the spectrum. But due to role-playing decisions done by the rest of the group, I did not feel that it would be a great thing to further push the group in that direction. So Corellis Lass had to constantly be walking everybody back. Accordingly, I didn't really feel like a super squishy pushover character would have fit well into that group going into it, as he would likely just get dragged along much like Corellis Lass. And, you know, I'd have the similar issues that I had with Corellis Lass. So regardless, looking around, I came across the Tactician Psionic class. And I did play Psionics in 3.5. I was the first player, I believe, in both of the groups I was in to play a Psionic character. Don't quote me on that. I might be wrong. But as far as I know, I'm the first person to pick up the Expanded Psionics handbook from 3.5 and the subsequent uh, Advanced Psionics when they did their kind of complete series, the reboot of the 3.5 series. So... I have played a good number of psionic characters in the past. If you are unfamiliar with psionics, basically it is a magic point system for magic. That's basically the difference between it and spellcasting is whereas spellcasting in D&D is what's known as a Vancian system where characters memorize certain spells and then they can cast those spells. At least wizards and clerics function that way and druids. The spontaneous clusters obviously have a little bit of a difference there. But they stick to the whole entire idea of you can memorize or hold just so much spell knowledge per level and, you know, due to the arcane nature of it. So anyway, as opposed to the Vancian system, as I said, this is a magic point system for psionics. It's technically power points. That's just the differentiation is between magic and power, uh, psionic power. Regardless, rambling just a little bit here. The other big difference is actually what they allow you to do in 5e, you could do in psionics already, which was in 5e, you can take your lower level spells and you can put them at a higher spell slot naturally to get expanded effects. And that was a part of the psionics system to begin with, where I could take as a psionics character a first level power, which would cost one power point, and I could dump more power points into it to augment it. That's the key phrase there, the key term is augmentation and obviously there's caps and levels for how much you can do in that sense you can't just for example my character has 56 power points i can't just dump all those power points into one spell there are thresholds in place that stop me from doing that and obviously feats and options to over channel i did not take any of those on this character but i'll just bring that up as an option if you're interested in psionics Regardless, I did end up as the Tactician Psionics class, 
And basically what this does, the core idea behind this class is that you can form telepathic links with a number of people and they just form what is known as a collective. And they can communicate at, as of second level, they can communicate telepathically with each other with no language barrier. It's a completely voluntary system. So anybody that doesn't want to be in it, A, can just plain ignore it. They don't have to hook in to begin with. And if they need to leave it for whatever reason, they can leave it. It has a medium range, like a medium spell range, basically. So 100 plus 10 feet per level. And I get different benefits and I can activate different abilities based on the collective. Now, the one thing that I really like about this tactician class is that it gives me options once I run out of power points. So if I spend a lot of points on spells early on in the day because I need to, well, powers is what they're called. I'll try not to continually be saying spells. They're effectively the same thing. But if I run out of power points for powers early on in the day, I still have abilities, supernatural abilities to fall back on that kind of substitute for spells. They aren't necessarily as powerful as spells, but they are very much flavored well for the class and they still give me options to contribute to the group without just, you know, having to fall back on the crossbow option that most casters tend to fall back on. So to run over some of those options and some things in my character, within this collective, I can use what are called strategies, which are basically kind of pseudo feats that only affect collective members, members that are part of the collective. And they do things that, for example, I can tell a member of the collective to attack a certain foe, a single foe, and if he actually does that, he's under no compulsion to do so. But if he just chooses to, then until it comes back around to his turn, all the other characters in the collective get 1d6 bonus damage as they gang up on that one character, that one enemy. So that's a nice benefit that can I, do, I can do. Similarly, I can help other people with their defense. I can you know point things out for them. That's another strategy called collective defense. So for my charisma number of rounds, which is two, the collective gets my intelligence bonus as an ACA bonus. As I kind of, you know, say, hey, look, watch out over there. Hey, you're about to get stabbed in the back, etc. And my intelligence is plus four. So that's a free mage armor for all the characters, basically. Likewise, another ability that I have is I can choose one member, just a single member of the collective, and I can share a teamwork feat with him. I can switch off which character I'm doing with it. Each round is a free action, which is really nice but it only ever affects one character at a time. And I have to qualify for the teamwork feat myself, obviously. So it's not like I can grab any super powerful teamwork feats right off the bat. I have to actually meet the prerequisites for them. So again, it's just another very nice bonus to the character. I also picked up a Psy Crystal, which is basically almost exactly a wizard familiar with the exception that it is a construct, which gives it some benefits. And otherwise, it functions, you know, very much in the same way. I had to spend a feed on that one because it didn't come with my class. But I decided that the benefits that came with it were good enough and I appreciated it. So I picked that up. Otherwise, skill-wise, I'm looking at largely social skills, bluff, diplomacy, sense motive, perception. And then I also have knowledge engineering and history to go with my strategist background. And finally, I will just, as an overview of my spells, I... Took mostly I focused on group spells, so things that would benefit multiple people. As a strategist, I can activate these over the collective with fewer restrictions, but doing so also costs me more power points. So, you know, I got to put a little bit more into the spells so I can cast less of them to get a full 
group-wide effect on them, but at the same time, at least it's conferring a proportional bonus for what it's doing, right? So I'm spending an extra point to add another, you know, first-level spell to another character, right? And those are our general bonuses, general combat bonuses. I also made sure to grab a few offensive spells slash uh, proactive spells just to ensure that I had something to do in case things went south, in case the group needed a little bit more to push through. That way we don't get stuck in a situation. For example, not to name anything too specific, but let's say there was a group of pumpkins attacking the party and we only had debuffs. That might be a problem. I can foresee that that theoretically in some cases could be a problem. In this case, we might not all die in that if that happened because I would have some options for dealing with the pumpkins myself. But leaving that aside for now, my character is an elf and he grew up in the Sutherlands, which is less populated, less directly influenced by the capital, etc., so he does not have so much attachment and elf patriotism. And furthermore, because he doesn't have that kind of elf supremacy built into him, despite being an elf, because he grew up, you know, let's say in the wilderness, on the outskirts, in the Wild West, however you want to look at it, he is currently following around Matt's character, Rothgar, who is a half-orc, and he's working as strategist for Rothgar. And obviously he's doing this because Rothgar appears to be an up-and-coming war leader of the orcs. He's raising an army, and this obviously comes with benefits being a strategist to a powerful war leader for Glastiel. So it seems like a win-win for both of them at this point. And that basically wraps up everything I've got for Glastiel at the moment. I want to fill out the backstory just a little bit more, but we'll hit that probably along the lines in the campaign itself. Otherwise, I am looking forward to this character. I do like playing the buff support character, especially when he has a wider range of options. The That kind of support character mix tends to offer more creativity, and that's why I play it. It's the same reason why I play a lot of wizards, because wizard spells have a wide scope of things you can do with them. So that, you know, that availability of options that I can manipulate and sculpt exactly what I want is really compelling to me. And hopefully he turns out doing really well. At the moment, looking at my spells, there's not anything that's overly busted and overly broken with him. There is one spell, one power rather, I keep on saying spells, but one power that I was looking at that feels like if I could sink enough points into it, will be pretty amazing for the group. But I did not pick it up this point because it is my max level power. It's a fourth level power, which I just unlocked, and therefore I wouldn't be able to augment it any. So we'll see what happens once I get that one up and running. Otherwise, the I'm also very much looking forward to using Battle Sense, which per its description literally pulls up a virtual HUD for everybody, a virtual heads-up display for everybody in the party. So that's going to be pretty fun to uh, pull out for the group. So with all that said, thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to support the Pathless Podcast. If you have not been to the website yet, pathlesspod.com, you can go there. We have links to the RSS feed as well as social media links there. And do feel free to reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook and obviously through the email as well. We love hearing back from you guys. And otherwise, I hope you have a great and wonderful day, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world. And I will catch you next time. 